Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. Oh, dear God. So glad you could join me. I know it's been a while. I didn't do an episode in December, but I'll explain that in a minute. But first, let's start out with some listener emails. And the first one is from James Nelson, who wrote to say, Hey, Monty, how are you? Well, great question, James. Thanks for asking. You know, I'm not doing too bad now, but I had a rough few weeks. Around mid-December, I got a really bad sinus infection. I was all clogged up, I uh, had a really bad cough, and I just felt like crap. And all this happened right before Alex and I were supposed to drive to Columbia, Missouri to see my daughter Zoe graduate from college. But I decided nothing was going to stop me from being there. And so even though I wasn't feeling very good, we made the 12-hour drive, we got to have lunch with her, and we went to the graduation that night, and it was great. Zoe graduated at the top of her class, and she got to make the speech, and she just did an amazing job. And at the end of the ceremony, all the professors walk out first. And there was this professor that was kind of leading everyone out, and he had this robe on, and he looked very dignified. And right as he turns to walk up the aisle, he looks over at me and kind of gives me a thumbs up and says, Nice beard. How weird are you? So it was a wonderful night, and I was so proud of Zoe. And I just kept looking at her thinking, Wow, that's that same little girl that I saw take her first steps. And when she was really little, I'd take her to the mall, and she'd say, Daddy, shoulder rides. And I'd pick her up and put her on my shoulders and we'd walk around the mall. But now there she is, graduating from college and making this incredibly intelligent speech. But you know, I always had a feeling she was going to turn out to be really smart. Because years ago, some of you will remember, I used to have Zoe do CD reviews on the old Rockcasts. And she was only nine years old at the time, but uh, even then she was really articulate. And for those of you who weren't listening back then, here's a sample of how it's sounding. Hi, I'm Zoe. Today I'll be reviewing the new CD from Stone Temple Pilots. Ah, okay. Uh, Yeah, I can't get enough of them. After a nine-year absence from the music world, STP returns with a new collection of tunes that will no doubt be coming to your radio very soon. Yeah, I don't doubt that. As you can probably tell, I wasn't a big STP fan back then. I never cared for Scott Weiland, and I still don't like most of their stuff. But this album really wasn't too bad. Though they maintain their recognizable sound, 
this album seems to have a retro feel to it. Oh, really? As well as the usual idea borrowing from Led Zeppelin, many of the songs bring to mind the likes of David Bowie. Take a risk and listen to the radio. Click your heels at the bipolar disco. Moth the Hoople. All the young dudes. And Aerosmith. Radio-friendly tune. you will not be disappointed. Okay. If you hate STP, you can continue doing so. Well, that would probably be me, but I gotta admit, Zoe, this stuff sounds really good. And so what are you gonna give it on a scale of one to five bloody metal skulls? I'm gonna give it three out of five bloody metal skulls. I miss that. Those were so much fun to do back then. And she showed signs of being a great little actress, and she did all kinds of plays when she was in her teenage years. But now I think she wants to be a writer, and I'm sure she'll be great at that, uh, or anything she chooses to do in life. But that was that. We made it all the way back to Colorado, where I continued to feel like crap all the way through Christmas and New Year's. But we had a good time anyway, and Alex got me all kinds of cool stuff. She got me some new Black Chuck Taylors. She got a uh, Patrick Mahomes McFarlane action figure. She got us tickets to go see Adam Carolla. And this one gift was crazy. Do you know those bobblehead things with the big heads that are called like Pop Funkos? I know you've seen them. If you go to any store, there's hundreds of them. And they make them of just about everyone, uh, whether it's Star Wars characters or Spider-Man. And I've got one of one of the Avs players. Well, at any rate, Alex special ordered one of me. And it's got the red beard and I'm holding a guitar and it says Monty on the package. And I just thought that was so cool and so thoughtful of her. And that's just another reason why Alex is awesome. She's just great. Uh, now, New Year's was kind of uneventful. 
We never do much on New Year's Eve but watch TV. And oh my God, was that ever terrible. That Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest was just unwatchable. After sitting through Aqua singing Barbie Girl, they made the mistake of interviewing Joe Biden. And he acted like he had no idea what was even going on, so his wife did most of the talking. And at this point, I gotta say shame on her. If she had any compassion at all, she would end this scam and uh, put him in a home. But that's not gonna happen, so we'll just have to sit back and cringe and wait till he leaves office. But Alex and I did last and stayed awake until midnight, and that's the way our 2023 ended. Boring! But before we move on to 2024, how about I take one final look back at 2023 and hand out some of my Rock Casty Awards, also known as the Monty's. These are the best and worst in everything from last year. And let's start out with the best thing that happened in sports. And I can tell you right now that the winner is a tie between the Denver Nuggets and the Kansas City Chiefs, who both won championships. It's so rigged! Now, I don't care who you root for, I really don't. But those happen to be my two favorite teams in those particular sports. And miraculously, they both won the same year. Now, how does that happen? I have no idea. I'm not used to that kind of thing. But it was awesome, and I enjoyed watching it. But what was the worst moment in sports? I do not care. I, I never did. And the first nominee is Megan Rapino, that uh, female soccer player. Now, what did she do that was so bad? Uh, nothing in particular. Uh, just everything she does is just despicable. The next nominee for Worst Sports Moment is Travis Kelsey for selling out to Pfizer. Now this is tough because I used to just think Travis Kelsey was the man. I'll still root for him because he plays for the Chiefs, but this past year I lost a lot of respect for him. And not just for dating Taylor Swift. When I saw him doing a commercial for Pfizer telling everyone to get the jab, I said how could he do that? And then I heard he got $20 million to do it. And then I said, okay, now I understand. Now, would I have done the same thing? Uh, hell, I would hand out cigarettes to grade school kids for $20 million. So who am I to judge? Uh, no, no. Next up is a very controversial subject. But it is nonetheless a nominee here on the Rockcast. And it is men pretending to be women competing against women in women's sports. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, wow. Ah, yes. We live in such a screwed up time right now that this is actually a topic that some people debate about. But to those people, I say, don't worry about it. Just let it happen. I, for one, am looking forward to the day when a woman with a penis is allowed to play in the WNBA and averages 50 points a game. That could be very entertaining. Uh, you might even see a dunk occasionally. But the winner of the worst thing in sports in 2023, the referees. When I watch an NBA or NFL game on TV, I can't decide whether the officials are just stupid or completely corrupt. 
I'm starting to have my suspicions that a lot of these games are either fixed or altered because of gambling. But there is one thing that I know for sure, and that's that I never watch sports to see the referees determine everything. For the love of God, I wish they'd stop throwing a flag on every single play, or for throwing out a superstar because he disagreed with one of their horrible calls, or standing on the sidelines for 20 minutes looking at a replay. Just because you're wearing a striped shirt doesn't mean everyone paid to see you. I'm sorry, I know they're just human, but modern day referees absolutely suck. They will go to hell. All right, next up, uh, oh, here's a new category. It's the Rockcasty for Biggest Piece of Shit. Huh? And the nominees are, uh, this year while at a parade, I saw a horse dump a massive load in the street. Uh, okay. The second nominee is Alex's dog Lulu took a massive crap in our living room. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it was not cool, but uh, I did clean it up. However, the winner for this year's biggest piece of shit goes to LeBron James. Yes, congratulations to LeBron James. I don't know of anyone on earth who is more arrogant and who I despise more. And every time I see him do a douchebag or racist move that I think he cannot top, he always does. And this year, when he walked into a basketball game where the national anthem was playing, instead of respectfully waiting until it was done, he just walked in in front of everybody and then sat down while it was still playing, proving once again how much he hates a country that made him a billionaire. And for that, LeBron, you win a rock casty, you arrogant piece of crap. Okay, I'll get back to more rock casties in a minute. But one thing I do every year on the year end special is I tell you what my favorite songs and albums of the year were. And as I look back through my catalog of stuff that I got this year, uh, I gotta say the new filter was really good. The name of the CD was Algorithm and I really liked this song a lot. And it was called For the Beaten. that was filter good stuff 
And I'll play you some more of my favorite songs and albums here in a minute, but uh, I wanted to do some more listener emails. Emails again! Yes, believe it or not, you guys email me and send me messages on Facebook, and I have no choice but to respond. And here's one for Mr. William Butts, who wanted to let me know that he liked the Galactic Cowboys song in a lonely room. I talked about that song on one of the last episodes, and I said, you know, maybe that was one of those songs that I wrote that was a little too personal. But William said, au contraire, that song moved me. Which kind of shows you, you know, uh, everyone reacts differently to different songs. And so I'm glad that song meant a lot to you, William, and I appreciate you telling me. And speaking of Galactic Cowboys, I'm sure a lot of you know by now that there was a box set for sale uh, of all our CDs that came out on Metal Blade. And it was released by a label called Brutal Planet Records. And I've seen a lot of people on Facebook are excited about this and uh, buying it. And I've also had a lot of people that had a lot of questions about what the deal is. I've had several people say, is this something you guys are putting out? Uh, did you authorize this? And are you making any money off of this? And the answer to all those questions is no. And so let me try and explain. Back in the mid to late 90s, Metal Blade would give us advances when it was time to do a new album, and we would take the money and spend it on studio time, on equipment, etc. And when we were done recording, we would hand in the masters to Metal Blade. Well, since then, Metal Blade has owned those masters, and apparently they must have done a deal with Brutal Planet, so Brutal Planet could re-release those albums. And also, apparently, uh, someone had those albums remastered. Now, as far as I know, no one in the band knew anything about this or were we consulted. But honestly, uh, legally, they didn't really have to involve us, as far as I know. But I didn't know anything about this whole thing until the art director who was working on this box set uh, got a hold of me and said, Hey, would you be interested in doing the cover art? And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, uh, the way I make my living now is doing art. And if anybody came to me and said, hey, would you do our album cover? I would say, yeah, if you pay me, I'll do it. And I also thought, you know, I'm not going to make a dime on this box set. And so I worked out a deal with Brutal Planet where they would pay me for the uh, cover design, but I would keep the original painting. And I got to say, I think the cover turned out amazing. However, I gotta be honest, I don't like the name that they call the uh, box set. It's called the box that Bud bought. But once again, nobody asked me, and so uh, what can you do? Nothing. Now, what are all my different feelings about this? Well, as they say, if it's inevitable, just lay back and enjoy it. And I'm sure at some point I'll listen to the remastered versions of our songs and see if I like them. Hopefully it all sounds good. But does it bother me a little bit that somebody else is probably going to make money off of our music when we can't even afford to make a new album? Uh, yeah, a little bit. But am I going to be mad at our fans if they buy this? No. I hope you do buy it, and I hope you enjoy it. And who knows, maybe this will reignite some interest in Galactic Cowboys eventually. And I also wanted to say that uh, I'm not trying to trash anybody from Brutal Planet. 
I know Matthew, he's a big Galactic fan, and he's a nice guy. And I understand that sometimes it's just the way the business works. This entire business is skeezy. And I also want to say that Scott Waters did a great job on the packaging. Uh, he did the uh, art layout, and it looks really good. But that's about all I've got to say about that. And uh, let's move on with this year-end special and do some more rock casties. No! All right, let's give out some music awards. And the first one is for Best New Artist of 2023. And the winner of the rock castie is... Uh, no one. Not one! Uh, yeah, I did not hear one new band or artist all year that I liked. And it's really a shame because I really used to enjoy uh, discovering new bands. But last year, nothing. However, I did hear some stuff that I didn't like. And for that, I made up a category called Most Annoying Artists That I Heard on the Radio. And the winner is Jelly Roll. And presenting the award to Jelly Roll is Jerry Seinfeld. Hey, what's the deal with Jelly Roll? Is he rock? Is he country? Or is he something you have for breakfast? <laughs> I don't know. He's got tattoos all over his face, but then his music sounds like he should be the singer for Shinedown. I mean, really, what's the deal with Jelly Roll? All right, thank you, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, all right, next category is Most Disappointing Album of the Year. And the winner is Avenged Sevenfold with Life is But a Dream. Sure, I could try and pretend like I was really impressed with how brave they were and uh, how they tried all these new things and to take all these creative chances to make something really different. And yes, it was different and I kind of respect that. But at the same time, uh, I really like this band and I was hoping they'd just write some great songs and put out a great rock metal album. And instead, uh, I mostly just got this. Yeah, that album was disappointing, but it was not the worst. Because the rock casty for worst album goes to Songs of Surrender by U2. I am dumbfounded, flabbergasted, shocked. Yeah, by now you know how I feel about U2. About 40 years ago, I liked their first couple albums, and then they just seemed to turn into pompous rock stars who I cannot stand. Uh, especially Bono. He's just unbearable. And therefore, I really don't listen to their music anymore. In fact, I didn't hear much of this album at all. But just because they put out a bunch of acoustic versions of their own songs and acted like it was God's gift to all of us, that was enough for me to say, and uh, give them an award. 
So congratulations, you two. You got a rock, Casty. It is just, it's such an honor. Now, at this point, you're probably saying, uh, Monty, is there anything that you do like? Well, yes. This year, I like the new album from Helmet. It was called Left. It rocked, had some really good melodies, and there were even some harmony vocals on it. So I reviewed this album when it came out and I played some samples from it on the Rockcast. And after hearing it, I had several listeners tell me, hey, that sounds like Galactic Cowboys. I think Paige Hamilton's been listening to GC and maybe some Crunchy. And then I listened to it again and I thought, wow, it kind of does sound like us. No wonder I liked it. And here's one of my favorite songs of the year off that album. It's called Powder Puff. Yeah. 
You know, I'm going to say that this is probably just a coincidence that this uh, stuff sounds like galactic, because I doubt if Paige Hamilton has even heard of us. But I've definitely heard of Helmet, and I've been a fan for years. Okay, before I continue on with the Rock Casties, I've got to read a really cool email I got from Dom in Australia. And he says, Hey Monty, just wanted to ask you if you have often stopped to think about all the art, words, music, and paintings you have created. To me, artists like yourself leave a hell of an imprint on the lives of so many, even people you'll never know. I know it's not measurable in dollars or fame, but I think it's the most freaking awesome thing. To create music and beautiful art that brings joy, comfort to people now, and hell, even people a hundred years from now. I think that's just an amazing gift to share and it's a testament to you and your family. I know some artists will deny it, but I think that sharing art with the world that reflects your skills, innermost struggles and experiences takes some mighty big cojones. I'm rambling now, but I just want to encourage you to keep cranking out the music and artwork. For people like me trying to take an idea and put pen to paper, paint to canvas, finger to fret is like pulling teeth. So I admire the effort you put into everything and getting shit done. P.S. What do you suggest to people who just can't get started making something happen art-wise? Well, Dom, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate the encouragement. And I'll tell you, I've personally never had a problem with getting motivated or inspired to do art. I've never had writer's block when it comes to music. But I'll be honest, there's many times when I just go, why am I doing this? Does anybody care? What's the point? And that's when I have to tell myself it doesn't matter. Just keep doing it. Just keep believing and just keep trying to improve. And when I get an email like this one, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. And no, I've never made a lot of money doing this, but when I hear that it meant something to people, uh, it kind of keeps me going. So thank you so much, Dom, for writing that. Now, as far as your question, what do you suggest to people who just can't seem to get started making something happen art-wise? My advice would be just stop thinking and do it. And what I mean by that is don't worry about what people are going to think about it or whether it's going to make you money. Just do something that excites you. I remember when I was in college and I was getting really discouraged because most of my professors were assholes and uh, they treated me like I sucked. And I probably did, and it was mainly because I just wasn't having any fun. And I remember this one day in class, we were working on something that was supposed to be brown, and I was painting it purple and blue. And the teacher walked over to me and he looked at the still life and he looked back at me and he goes, what are you doing? Uh, It obviously doesn't look like that. And I said, I don't know, it just makes it more interesting for me. 
And so from that very moment, I knew I wasn't going to please everybody and I probably wasn't going to be a traditional artist. But regardless of what kind of artist I was going to become, I knew I didn't want to be bored doing it. And so over the years, I kind of developed my own style, I guess you'd call it. And it's just really a result of trying to find uh, something that kind of reflects who I am. But it took a lot of work and persistence and just trying to keep uh, getting better. But anyway, those are some of my thoughts about art. And while I'm on the subject, I mentioned earlier that I did the cover painting for the uh, Galactic Box set. And I kept that original painting. Well, uh, I decided to put it up for sale. And literally five minutes later, it sold. A friend of mine named John Bowden, who is also a member of Halcyon Way, uh, he bought it and uh, I shipped it to him. And I had quite a few people who inquired about buying it, uh, but it was already gone. But for those people, I have good news. I now have prints available of that. And if you go to my website, montycalvinart.com, you'll see a new page listed. It's called Galactic Cowboys Artwork. And so if you want a print of that painting, I have three different sizes and I'm glad to sign them and they look killer. And before we go on, I just want to say quickly, thank you to everyone who bought paintings, prints, and refrigerator magnets over the last few months. You guys got me through Christmas and I just appreciate it so much. It doesn't matter how big or small the sale is. When you guys buy something or commission me, Alex and I rejoice. All right, let's continue on with some more rock casties. And how about we do some best and worst TV? And let's start with the best. And of course, I watched a lot of documentaries. And I really enjoyed one about John Entwistle of The Who. And I think it was on Prime. And I think he's one of those bass players that never got enough recognition because he was in a band with Pete Townsend and Keith Moon. But when you talk about a game changer when it comes to bass tone, it pretty much all starts with him. It doesn't matter if you're talking Lemmy, Billy Sheehan, or Tom Peterson, or Doug Pennick. Uh, we're all indebted to John Entwistle. And if you watch that documentary, I think you'll understand. I also watched a drama series that I thought was great on Hulu. It was called The Act. And it was a true story about Gypsy Rose Blanchard and her mom. And if you don't know anything about it, look it up. Her mom was basically a psycho. And she made everyone believe that her daughter had all kinds of illnesses and kept her in a wheelchair for about 20 years. But I thought the whole thing was really well done. The acting was really good and I would recommend it. But my winner for best TV of the year was The Righteous Gemstones. And it was a comedy with John Goodman and Danny McBride. And it was a spoof on televangelists and megachurches. And I thought it was hilarious and great. But now for the worst of TV, oh my God, there was so much to pick from. You had hideous shows on Netflix like Love is Blind where he had people in their 20s uh, getting engaged before they'd even seen each other. And shockingly, oh my God, it just didn't work out. What a surprise. And of course, there's the god-awful singing competitions like American Idol, The Voice, and The Masked Singer. 
And I'm actually not nominating any of those shows because of the contestants. These shows are terrible because of the judges who sit there and want us to believe that the shit that they're listening to is the most amazing stuff they've ever heard in their lives. I've had enough of this crap. I also want to give a special nomination to the ladies of The View. Never have I seen five dumber people congregate on one stage. There's literally more intelligence inside of a chicken coop than the combined brain power of these cackling idiots. But if The View isn't the worst thing on TV, what is? This year, the rock casty goes to commercials. I don't know who's directing and casting these things these days, but they finally just said, screw it. No more white people. But if you just have to stick some of those types in there, make sure they look like they're really stupid. I'm good with that. But how about the category of best comeback? And the first nominee is The Beatles. They had that documentary on Hulu that was pretty fascinating. And Paul McCartney took an old song that John Lennon was writing and made a song out of it. And I gotta admit, it was pretty cool. And we also got a new album from Metallica. Now, I didn't think it was great, but, you know, it had some songs that sounded like old Metallica, and that was good. And I think we'll all admit that it was light years better than Saint Anger. But on a side note, since I brought up Saint Anger... The other day I was on YouTube and this guy had taken the whole St. Anger album and he had replaced the tin can snare with an actual snare that sounded good and I could not believe the difference it made. It was suddenly not completely annoying. Most of it was actually listenable and there were a few songs where I actually went, wow, this is pretty good. So if you're interested, go find that and check it out. But the winner for Best Comeback of 2003 uh, actually didn't happen in 2003. It happened a few weeks ago. But it was so good, I had to give it a rock casty. And that was when the Denver Nuggets were trailing the Golden State Warriors by 18 points with five minutes left in the game. And the Warrior players were acting like it was over. Steve Kerr was yelling at Jokic. And Steph Curry was swaggering around, chewing on his mouthpiece, and doing the shimmy. But all of a sudden, here come the Nuggets. And before you knew it, they had tied it up. And with five seconds left, they had the ball, threw it into Jokic, and he nailed a 40-footer at the buzzer. And it was about 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night, but Alex and I were screaming and high-fiving. And I'm sure our neighbors did not appreciate that. But we didn't care, and that was one of the sweetest moments in my entire life. What drug are you smoking? Now, the award for worst comeback of the year is Corey Feldman. If you've seen any of his music videos or caught clips of any of his concerts last year, you'll know what I'm talking about. He has proclaimed himself as the comeback king. And I'm not really sure what he's coming back from, but I wish he had stayed there. And let me be clear, I'm not one to make fun of bad musicians or bad singers, because at least they're trying. But Corey Feldman is delusional, and he's kind of pathetic, and he needs help. Yeah, it's so sad. Uh, the next category is Best Movie, and this is a tough one. 
Not because there was just so many good movies. Uh, no, uh, it's because I didn't see any. I'm just not a big movie guy. I'd rather watch sports or something else. And I did not step foot inside of a movie theater all year. However, around Christmas time when I was sick and I was in bed by myself, I did watch Rambo. So congratulations, Sly Stallone and uh, First Blood. You won a rock casty. What the hell is going on here? Now, worst movie of the year, uh, I'm going to go with the Barbie movie. No, once again, I did not see it, but it looked like something I would really hate. Did that make sense? Now, some of you may remember that I used to do something called the Top 10 Playoffs, and I did it for years on this show. But I stopped doing that about three years ago, and now I just occasionally give you one of my Top 10s. And this year, the Rock Casty for Best List goes to me. You? Yes, I never expected this, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And I'm sure after you hear this list, you'll agree it's great. So without further ado, here's my list of the top 10 most bloated musicians of all time. And it starts at number 10 with Sebastian Bach. Talented singer, great frontman, but time is catching up with him. Number 9, have you seen Ingve Momstein lately? Number 8, Ann Wilson. No judgment here, she's a great singer. But when I was 18, I had her poster on my wall, and somewhere along the line, they started blurring her out in the videos. Same could be said at number seven with Linda Ronstadt. This, this almost seems cruel. Number six is Meatloaf. Now, he never really had a thin period, but when it comes to bloated, he's a Hall of Famer. Same can be said of number five, John Popper of Blues Traveler. Now, coming in at number four is Kathleen Turner. Now, I realize she's not a musician, but I had to make a special exception. At one point, one of the hottest women in Hollywood, these days, bloated. Fair enough. Now for the heavy hitters. At number three, Vince Neil. I'm sorry I had to put you on the list, Vince, but don't worry, you're still a great singer. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I've seen recent video. Never mind. Yeah. At number two, Elvis. Yes, he was the king of rock and roll, but by the end, bloated king of rock and roll. Well, that's hateful. And that would bring us to number one of the top ten most bloated musicians of all time, Axl Rose. Now, I'm sure a lot of you will think that list was cruel, insensitive, and accuse me of fat shaming. But I assure you, none of that was meant to be mean-spirited. I was merely pointing out that as people get older, sometimes they put on a few extra pounds. And that's okay. How dare you? Anyway, that was the best list. How about the worst? And this wasn't even hard to figure out. Because by far, the most appalling list of 2023 was Rolling Stone's list of the 250 greatest guitarists of all time. It wasn't even the people that shouldn't have been on the list that bothered me. It was the 100 to 200 people that they left off the list that pissed me off. No Steve Morris, no Zach Wilde, no John Petrucci, really? Just like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, what a joke. This is not funny! 
Now, here's a new category. It's best and worst decisions of last year. And I'll start with worst decisions because this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. I've made so many bad decisions over the course of my life. But apparently, I'm not the only one who does that because the first nominee is Madonna for the plastic surgery that she got on her face. Now, I don't think she thinks that was a bad choice, but trust me, it was. She's also lost her marbles. Now, the next nominee and winner of the Rock Casty for Worst Decision, Fox News firing Tucker Carlson. And you know what? I used to watch Fox News. Uh, not anymore. Enough said. But now the best decision I made last year. Well, I stopped watching Fox News. I also did not watch a second of the Emmys, Oscars, Golden Globes, or MTV Music Awards. But the best decision I made all of last year was that I did not go to the Chiefs-Broncos game in Denver. You see, I really wanted to, but the tickets were astronomical. But the day of the game, the temperatures dropped down to the 20s, and the ticket prices dropped lower and lower. And about two hours before the game, I was still checking the ticket prices, but I finally just said, you know, let's just stay home and watch it on TV. And so we saved the money, I watched the game, and the Chiefs were horrible. And they lost to a pathetic Denver Broncos team, and I was very pleased that I didn't go. Great story! And finally, it's time for the last rock, Casty. And the category is Best Song and Best Album of the Year. And strangely enough, they both come from the same band, Crash Karma. My favorite album of the year was Falling to Pieces by Crash Karma. And my favorite song was on that album, which was called Monsters Exit the Hopeless.
If you don't know anything about Crash Karma, then check them out on YouTube. They're a guy and a girl that just made an amazing album. It had 12 songs and I love every single one of them. Kind of a cross between In Flames and In This Moment and it's just some great melodic heavy rock. I'm going to wrap things up now with one more listener question. And this one's from Ed Wheeland, who says, Hey, Monty, how's it going? Well, thanks for asking, Ed. Well, I'll tell you, I live in Colorado with the sweetest woman on earth named Alex. She treats me like a king, and I appreciate her so much. And she just had a birthday, and so happy birthday to Alex. I love you. But I also have to say that uh, we've been freezing our butts off this winter. In fact, it's been so cold, we had to replace the batteries in both of our cars. And I've talked to a lot of people who live all over the country, and uh, it seems like everyone's just getting hammered, either with snow or ice or sub-below temperatures. And it's made me think of this great song by this great band called Angel. They put out some awesome albums in the 70s, and they had this one song called Winter Song. And I looked them up on YouTube the other day, and there was a video of them on American Bandstand playing this song. And I thought, you know, that would be an appropriate song to play on the January episode of the Rockcast. Does anybody else remember this?
Angel, what a great band, and they're still out there playing shows. Frank still has an amazing voice after all these years, and I'd like to see him, because I never got to see him in the 70s. But that's going to do it for my year-end special. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back soon, hopefully, with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on! This show sucks.